Hello everyone, it's Drew. Uh, we're going to try something uh, a little different at the beginning of uh, uh, this issue. See how it goes. Instead of doing a super cut, like we've done on the previous episodes and everything, I'm going to just give a quick rundown. Do this at the beginning of each new issue and see how that goes. And while I'm at it, I'm going to give you guys the obligatory podcast spiel of you know leave us a comment let us know what you're thinking uh, reviews would be great hit us up on itunes or pod chaser or something like that and honestly we would you know, love to hear your all's opinion on the show and but without further ado previously on the last issue of tales from stringersburg fergus's son shows himself to fergus's horror we'll just put it that way is promptly ignored and tells future that he would like to to put on a show to to show them the justifications of uh, why fergus feels that he deserves to go back and the son comes with and he fergus uses a uh, volunteer group that was gathered by adrian brother spider to tell future the the story and the son is surprisingly helpful in certain situation with prose and language and uh, creating the play and in the play uh, fergus fights present and returns to his timeline and when he's there he goes about erasing himself from any records and recruiting others from Project Ultraviolet or those he feels a kinship to and yeah it slowly begins to take a shadow puppet shadow controller way over uh, the world and he travels around helping others like him seeing other projects uh, like Project Ultraviolet and then towards the end he, he begins to show uh, makes a show against the the triumphant of time that he, he wants them to he makes a statement that they're not quite in control as they think they are and the towards the end of the play the the sun shuts down and and goes cold when Fergus begins to tell this story about traveling around and helping these other groups and, and, and taking over the world from the shadows. And at the end of the play, he turns and disappears, and Future tells Fergus that he has to, to think and ruminate on the show that he just saw, but tells him that Fergus is free to go and explore his realm. And when Fergus is, is getting ready to leave where he'd been rehearsing and practicing, um, this kind of out-of-the-way amphitheater, uh, this well-like individual that was one of his actors, named Iriruru, or Ru, comes up and tells him that he empathizes with Fergus and, and wants to help him out, that uh, he's a psychic and was aware of what Fergus was doing the entire time and uh, you know he gives him a, a bit of his backstory and everything and uh, 
puppeteer decides that he wants to go to his son's stronghold and declare that he isn't his and that he's a mistake. Then his son tells him, under no uncertain terms, that uh, their times are tied together, and he begins to mention mummy. So Fergus is starting to really feel a kind of sympathy for Oriruru, which is both welcome and unwelcome at the same time. He's used to the world consisting mostly of people who are hostile to him, or people who pity him, or people who ignore him. And of the people who he gets close to, those that disappoint him, and those who die. So, he sort of struggles with this bonding that he hadn't anticipated. He's, he's resisting it a bit. He, after Rue tells him that stuff about his origins and what his uh, people are like, Fergus goes straight to the uh, request. He's just like, oh, uh, fascinating. Uh, maybe you could, you know, he. there's no further, like, questions or exchange of information or anything like that. He also is going to, while they're traveling there, he'll, he'll put up a sort of screen of, of light telepathic chatter. Um, his idea of light chatter is to question Rue about how he came to be in Future's world, how long he thinks he's been there, like his subjective experience of the time. Um, you know, who his general is. Just the sort of logistical details of, like, his position there in the world. While they're having that conversation, Fergus is really gonna fine-tune his telepathy to try and see if he can read Rue without Rue's knowledge. Um... Because what he wants to know is, how much does Rue know about him? He doesn't like people knowing stuff about him. Um, even though he likes this person, he's still very uncomfortable with it. He, um, he doesn't like not being in control of what he presents to people. So the idea that he was unconsciously broadcasting is like, so bad for him. He's not necessarily trying to, like, 
root around in Rue's mind and, you know, uncover all of his secrets. Largely what he's interested in is seeing if he can access any of Rue's memories. If Rue has any unsuppressed memories of the time he spent under Fergus's control, and um, if he has any memory of any kind, suppressed or not, of the other, um, well, no, I guess this wouldn't, okay, so many questions. Was Rue's telepathy still working while he was under Fergus's control? Um, for the rehearsal and the, and the performance. Um, does Rue have any memories of telepathically reading the other members of the cast? If he does, were the other members of the cast receiving the same sort of thought broadcasts that Rue was? I mean, Fergus has, has just realized that half a dozen people who he just thought of as puppets may have learned deep um, personal things about him. And if they have, he has to figure out how to handle that because his immediate response is to panic. Like if, if he was broadcasting to all of them and they all know part of him is just like, well, obviously they can't be, they can't keep those memories. I can't allow that. I'll have to figure out a way to pull memories out of their minds. Or, you know, do something else to them. Not because he's a bad person. Because he feels very vulnerable. And when he feels unsafe, he tries to make himself safe. So, he's trying to do all that while they go to the, um, stronghold of his son. What's interesting about those Judge Dredd buildings, he said, having recently watched the YouTube trailer, or the trailer on YouTube, um, so it's cool that they're sort of like the mega high-rise thing, mix of commercial and residential, but they also have the sort of inner courtyard hollow bit. Fergus has no idea if that's the case with this area, but, um, it's just kind of cool. That was an interesting point of reference, so good call there. Um, so I imagine he has a hard time controlling his reaction when his son is like, no, our timelines are linked now. I am, I am yours. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, he... His, his energy form just sort of, like, shimmers. There's a sort of, like, visual distortion all across his energy body. He doesn't make a big obvious face, but, I mean, those, those other things are clear enough reactions. And when uh, the boy... When the boy's like, if only mommy were here. He he doesn't even bother. He just sort of, like, grimaces. And he's like, 
when he gets a word in. He's just like, don't involve her in this. She's... He doesn't know what to say about her. He still doesn't know what he thinks about Powder Girl. He, so much has happened with him since then. He has a, he has a distinct impression of someone who was possibly smarter than him, but also someone who was just so, whose concerns just seemed so weird and petty and uninteresting to him. She leaves a bad taste in his so-called mouth. Um, but he also, like, he doesn't wish her any harm, so when his son is like, if only mommy were here, he's like, oh no, this this guy wants to do bad stuff to her, and like, I don't want her to be here because I don't like her, but I also don't want her to be here because I don't want this guy to do bad stuff to her. So... At the end of his son's monologue, Fergus is like, this, this is absurd. We're in the realm of a, a, a being that supposedly has some sort of control over time, and, and, and you want me to believe that there's nothing that can be done, that we can't be disentangled? Uh, tangled from each other. What do you want from me, anyway? Uh, you, you get, you know, that his name is repetitive, but uh, while communicating with him, you get a lot of their verbal language and, and um, verbal rhythm is repeating sounds uh, on, on a rhythm. So you figure that names and, and their actual native tongue outside of their telepathic speech is, is a, you know, like I said, a, a repetitive uh, linguistical patterns. But you ask Ariruru all these questions and kind of goes on with his I guess not histrionics but backstory his uh, exposition I belong to no general I have yet to decide if I am going to fight in the army I have only been here before you took control loosely a year and a half? Yes, I believe that is the correct time. Now, it has been closer to, I believe, ten years. And when he says this, you... It, 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 it's, a, a, it's a shock to you, like... 10 years, like, he had been here a, a year, a year and a half, and now he's saying he's been here probably 10 years, like, no, that can't, that can't be, you didn't, you didn't spend that long writing that, did, did you? 
No, like, mm-mm. And then you kind of start thinking back like you wrote it and then rewrote it and then revised it and, you know, thought you were towards completion and then scrapped it and restarted again. And it starts you wondering how long, how long has it been since you left your world? And this gets you thinking because you don't sleep or eat or really get tired anymore. Like you can still tax yourself and, and, and get exhausted. Um, but just general time passing is what seems to restore you over sleeping or eating or, or some type of general recuperation, like just more collecting yourself seems to uh, not revivify, but um, reinvigorate you. So this is definitely something to ponder on. And, you know, you're, you're throwing up this, this chatter and everything and Rue, you know, like I said, his, doesn't seem to have thrown his allegiance in and, uh, he kind of goes into, you're only half listening cause you're trying to focus of, uh, you know, his people take a long time to consider their things and, and the, roughly the eight years that he was under your control was, um, you know, a, a, not a snap decision, but still a, a fairly quick decision for him uh, to, to support you. And, and you're doing all this, and or you're hearing all of this, and you're not still not terribly practiced with your telepathy you're still used to your mind control just dominating and domineering and even though you you, you know you don't know how how long time has passed but you're not practiced with it really in, in subtlety you're used to like an ambient approach or just straight in a intruding. You haven't had practice to, to finesse the way that you're used to with your powers. Um, you know, even your mind control is as much as it's a hammer, like, you know, exactly how hard to, to hit with it and where, you know, it's very, you can be very precise with it when you need to. And you haven't got those skills with your telepathy yet. And you try to, to come in and, you know, narratively I could say, oh yeah, you do it and no problem. But that's not as interesting, I don't think. But you, you push your way towards Rue's mind and you see he winces. And he looks at you, but he doesn't say anything. He, he continues on. He, he stutters and stumbles a little bit. Um, but also where you expect the, the 
few telepaths that you've you've run across that you've tried to do vaguely similar things to, they instinctively throw up a defensive wall. And Rue doesn't have that. And you think it might be due to his culture, his people, where they kind of exchange verbal communication and telepathic communication equally. Um, you know, there, there's some refinement there, so it's just not like blurting out everything, but, but there's no, there's no real wall. There's no real resistance. It's, it's a fairly open mind, uh, but it is aware to a certain extent. Um, and then that, that passes like the, the awareness of you and what you're doing is released. So I don't know how Fergus would proceed past that if he would just try to be like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, or apologize or retract. But here's a, you tell me, but here's an if then for what you're trying. Um, you get that while Rue's powers were in effect the entire time, like he was... He was conscious of what you were doing, even though he wasn't able to control or, or resist against your powers. And he, he did reach out to the rest of the group because he had all this time. And you think that maybe someone that was you know, where he told you that you know, eight years was a pretty quick decision for him. You get the, the gist that maybe he's a very long-lived species, a very deliberate species, and, and maybe if someone else had a, a shorter-lived species had been cognizant the way he had, <laughs> they might have gone a little crazy uh, being trapped inside their own body. But... Uh, no one else was cognizant. No one else was able to pick up on, on these thoughts. There was no other psychics in the group. But you get, you know, kind of Rue's thought process and everything. And this is a, a lot of imagery and, and, and thoughts specifically on this. Like you said, you weren't digging. You're looking for, for this particular timeline and, and thought series, uh, you know, memory bank, as it were. And he had a bunch of ambient rambling thoughts of his own at the time, but he did, you do pick up on some key stuff. Key points are if there was any other psychic in the area or in, you know, in your surrounding area that they could have picked up. Uh, on these thoughts that you threw out. But the ones that you threw out that Rue picked up on were pertinent to your thoughts that you put in the play. And I'm going to leave that more to you. But, um, you know, some things that I think uh, are definitely there are your thoughts about Stringersburg, uh, your time there, Connecticut with the League, uh, One Eye, 
this future that was shown you from present, um, your thoughts and, and most of your experiences with present. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking like the entire timeline, like you didn't project that, but it was like the key points of what you think of these people or places or events, like the things that stand out to you and, and either what you're rallying against or what you favor. Um, you think about the, the group, the, the list of names that the, the hacker showed you, um, the monster squad was kind of a prevalent thing, even though you didn't write about them. Like I think that Fergus, uh, would, would have thought a lot about them equally like reverb and, uh, the time right before he got sucked out of the time stream on one eyes Island and just the, you know, ambiently the, the, the flaws of the world that he lives in the, you know, generally what a person thinks about when, when you think about your, your country or your world or anything like the key points, maybe what's in the news at the time and everything, but the, the stuff that you think about when you're like, Oh, earth, you know, I, I don't know about everybody else out there, but when I say earth, you know, one of the first things that popped in my head is, uh, global warming and, and war and resources and pollution. And, you know, the things that are very prevalent in our world at the, at this moment. But, you know, when I kind of let those surface thoughts pass, I'm also thinking about, you know, mountains and beautiful landscapes and sunrises and the beauty that the, the world holds. So, while there are a handful, you know, a couple dozen of, of very specific thoughts, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I'm trying to paint you a good picture as to what Fergus picks up. While there's some specifics, you know, very crystal clear images, a lot of it is ambient thoughts, larger picture kind of deals. And then like how you would refine these larger pictures, like, the stuff that, that Fergus talked about uh, is, is the more crystal clear things or how he, the, the things that he was comparing them against, the juxtapositions and everything like that. Those are the most clear images. And you... Hmm. Yeah, you would remember this because I think you remember most things about your kid. His suit is able to copy abilities of any meta that he's around. So you're a meta, you have telepathy. It's a safe assumption. So you can unpackage that as you want. But we'll speed back up to you're talking to him and to your son and you're talking about Powder Girl, and you you finish saying you know saying these things about don't bring her into this, and then you realize you had completely forgotten about Claire, about Powder Girl until this moment. She had been 
erased and rewritten in your memory. When you met your son all those years ago in Chicago before you left for Stringersburg, she was there. She was that you vaguely had recalled that someone else was in the car with you, uh, but the rest of your memory had been rewritten to the the confrontation with your, your son in the warehouse was just you and him. But now you remember Claire was there too. She was tied up and wrapped up and had to, had to deal with all of this as well. You're not sure why, but now you remember her and you're talking about her and all of the memories with her in the league. And then, you know, when, the league fell apart in Stringersburg. She was there on the last day, too. She was there when um, Illustra left the Wind Elemental back to her plane, and when Inner Peace had finally cut off communication and had visited Reverb in the hospital when his, he had lost his arm. Yeah, you remember the the highs and lows of dealing with her, with her creating, you know, her powers being sustained by uh, her manufactured drugs that had all kinds of weird, crazy side effects and the ups and downs that she went through. And you went to the day she was supposed to leave you went down, you went to the lab that she had set up and she was gone and all the stuff in her lab was gone and hmm. It's the same place that the monster squad ended up having their headquarters. It's where you set up with Experiment 7 and Van Slyke and Son of Jaguar and all the others. Just a little point in fact. And you, know, you say, leave her out of this. And he just grins at you and you say, what, what, do, you, what do you want? And he just holds that Grin. It's almost rictus. Says, "Oh, Daddy, I just want to make your life as miserable as mine." And he, you see him, and he flickers for a moment, and his form takes the same blue. Uh, blue, white, and kind of purplish form that yours has. He lifts off the ground for a second. He's just grinning at you. And just like, I know who you are, Daddy. I know who you'll become. And you fight it. And you buck against it. And it's only because, oh, it's because you like it so much and you can't stand that. You can't stand to be happy. You can't stand for others 
to be happy. Like father, like son, daddy.